Art of Visuals community and welcome to the Art of Visuals podcast, a content series to inspire the creators, the mavericks, the hustlers, and the visionaries who believe that art and creativity have the power to impact and change culture. This series was created for you, the explorers of the world. We're here because you're not alone on this journey to becoming your best self. This series shares real authentic stories direct from the world's most talented creative community. These stories are meant to inspire, motivate, and educate you and the rest of the AOV family. With over a decade of experience in entrepreneurship, content creation, and self-development, the AOV team is here to create a new kind of culture within our community, one that inspires action, love, growth, and fulfillment. You are now tuning in to the AOV Podcast. What's happening, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Art of Visuals podcast. My name is Prince, and I am your host, and today's guest is Neil Benete. He is a travel adventure photographer from New Jersey, currently based at Los Angeles, California. Neil, and he's a retired Marine. Hold on. Let me toss that in there, bro. Show him some love, baby. Show the vet some love, baby. Neil Bennett. Neil Benete. Hey, welcome to the show, bro. Hey, man, what's going on? Chilling, dude. How you doing? Good, good, man. How you doing? I'm good, man. I'm stoked to uh, I'm stoked to chop it up with you. I'm really excited about this episode. Yeah, man, been looking forward to it. Uh, what's up, everybody? Yeah. So uh, why don't you start us off with, with letting the AOV community know a little bit more about yourself? All right, so I'll just go uh, into a brief kind of background. Um, grew up working class family, um, born and raised in New Jersey, and, um, you know, a, a way for me to get out from where I was living in the, the, the burbs of New Jersey was to join the military. <clears throat> and the Marine Corps was a great option to just kind of get away from, you know, people doing the wrong things and getting away from the crowd that I was hanging out with and going down the wrong path. So joined the military at 19 because, you know, shortly before that, I tried to go to community college and that was an epic fail. <laughs> so I was like, yep. College isn't for me. Did the Marine Corps for five years. Two two deployments, um, Iraq and Afghanistan. And after that, you know, led to Rutgers. Then I'm here in uh, California finishing the Masters. During that time, there's a lot of transitions and uh, a lot of hard learning. <laughs> That's a, a brief, brief version of it. Nice. Dude, another time we'll have to go into your backstory. I, I just feel like, dude, you're from New Jersey. You weren't into some good stuff. I'm curious now. Do you care to to share a little bit more information? Like, I feel like we all have, I shouldn't say everyone. I know I do, but, <laughs> you know, some of us just have interesting backstories. You know, we didn't all come from pretty places and, 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 and let, you know, a place full of opportunity. Some of us came from little rougher neighborhoods and have experienced mm. other things. And some of us really had to fight to get just to like be where we're at, you know? Seriously. It's just like <laughs> a constant climb, man. Never ends too. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely, man. Um, let's talk a little bit about how you got into photography. All right. So uh, photography for me was um, really started when I was in the military. You know, I was going to Iraq and Afghanistan and, parts of California to train for these deployments. And, um, you know, when I went to California and Yuma, Arizona for the first time doing military deployments, I was like, wow, these places are beautiful because, you know, New Jersey, we don't have mountains. We have hills and, you know, we have coastline, but Arizona and California just blows 
the landscape, the scenery just blows you out of the water. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I got a little cyber shot, Sony cyber shot. I remember it, you know, and I used to use, you know, use that to just kind of document where I've been and wasn't really serious about it. You know, it was more of documentation. Hey, this is where I'm at, you know, kind of thing. And so that's how that started. And then once I got out of the military, um, it's uh, Rutgers, went to Rutgers. I was like, I need to, you know, kind of move on from there and evolve. You know, I kept pushing off traveling, kept pushing off, kept pushing off. I'm like, when I, when I do this, when I do that, when I graduate, when I get this job, <clears throat> then finally I was like, you know what, I'm just going to buy the ticket and go. Mm-hmm. And um, that's kind of what led me to get the Sony uh, A6000. And I brought that to Patagonia with me. And that's really kind of where, where I evolved with that was uh, photography. Gotcha. Uh, dude, my, I wish I could remember the quote, man, but my girlfriend had texted me something. Uh, she'd been listening to all the podcasts and she's like, you know what? It's not that I don't even know why I made her sound like that. She's going to kill me. She, she doesn't <laughs> sound like that. <laughs> um, but she more or less was like, you know what? I don't think she's like, it's not that traveling it's not that photography inspires people to travel. She's like, almost every single person on your podcast has been inspired to become a photographer through travel. Hmm. I can relate to that. And I thought that was really interesting. And I'm like, you're actually totally right. Every single person I pretty much talked to has got into photography because they were traveling or they saw some places and they experienced something that they were able to capture and it, it lit them up inside and they wanted to do more of that. Yeah, it's that experience, right? That that just experience of being out there. And uh, we talked about this earlier. Earlier, it's, um, the photography, at least for me, is an extension of that. You know, sharing these beautiful places, the the, the colors, the the scenery. It's just um, you know, it's definitely for me, photography is an extension of traveling and wanting to hike and adventure and see new things. Yep. No, absolutely, man. I I know that you're a you're all about traveling. You're all about hiking and and photography is just an extension of that. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about what drives you to, to, to want to travel and what drives you to want to hike? Like, what do you gain from that? So I'll start kind of the beginning, the kind of the military got me into this, right? Because before the military, I didn't do much traveling. The first time I went camping. (laughs) You weren't hiking (laughs) hiking either, were you? No, I wasn't, man. So the, the military is like, really got me into camping, got me into hiking. And uh, before that, my parents were, you know, working class, always working all the time. So mm-hmm. didn't have, you know, the opportunity to experience that at a young age. Right. So at 19, getting to experience that for the first time was, even though you're kind of like suffering through the push-ups and, you know, miles and miles of running is just um such an awesome experience. What is it that gets you going or what do you love let's just just to clarify what do you love about hiking and traveling so the hiking and traveling um, and, and let's just to keep it simple bro i'm because yeah. even now i'm like well fuck am i talking about hiking or am i talking about traveling <laughs> uh let's just start with hiking because that's like how did you get into hiking why do you hike what do you love about it again back to the military that's what got me into it but I, once i got out Hiking, for me, gives me the ability to see things that, you know, most people don't, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, um, going to Patagonia for the first time three years ago, 
you know, I've seen things that I couldn't even imagine as a, you know, 10, 15 year old kid in New Jersey coming from my, you know, that working class family. So, you know, walking with my two legs and seeing glaciers and towering mountains, uh, just was such a unreal experience. And, um, that's, continues to fuel me is to experience these new places and see new things and um, being able to share that. So I think um, that rush of hiking and also, you know, there's so many benefits too, right? Um, That's what I'm curious about. I want to understand what other benefits outside of the experience do you achieve through hiking? The benefits for me, obviously the physical fitness, that was a huge part of it in the military. But also, once you get out of the military, for me, um, you know, a lot of the military guys deal with PTSD, and I, I dealt with a little bit of that myself after these deployments. And hiking for me is just therapeutic, right? Uh, really allows me to um, focus inside and also just um, be out there and um, not have anything really stress me out. You know, and I could be hiking with a friend, girlfriend. I still get that same effect. It's just therapeutic. You know, just getting out there. Um, this past summer, I was hiking in um, up in the Talamine uh, Meadows there in Yosemite. But it was about 10 miles round trip hike, but just that experience is just hard to put into words. It's, it's very therapeutic. The, the health benefits, the mental benefits, is, I think that's why I do it. It's just so much to it. No, absolutely. I think uh, being outdoors, it allows you to be present. It allows you to to forget about all the busyness and the craziness of your life. You're not stressing it about work or bills or anything. You're just in the That's moment, exactly one step yeah. at a time in the moment. And it's very free. And it's almost one of those things to where you, you realize, like, I'm in my natural habitat. Right. Like, I'm home. Yeah. Like, this is this is where, like, this is where it's at, yeah, nothing, not the concrete nothing, nothing jungle. Nothing stress you out. Uh, unless like a grizzly bear comes out or something, which <laughs> I haven't experienced yet, but yeah. And it's funny you brought up stress. Nothing. There's no unnatural stress in the wild. There's only natural stress and natural stress being a grizzly bear coming out, you know, but you're yeah. not worried about things that aren't actually real stress in the have moment you, because. Have you come in contact close to the grizzly bear in any of your travels or anything like that? I have not. Gratefully. Not yet. Have right? you? Not going with no, not yet. I was expecting one in the Tetons uh, two summers ago. I was like, oh, man, I was ready for it. You know, I had my my spray, my bear spray, and, you know, the noisemakers and everything. It was just <laughs> my son camping there. I'm like, dude, what happens if a bear comes? I'm going to have to, like, just try to defend my little eight-year-old son and just make sure nothing happens to him, you know? Uh, I hear they're nice to eight-year-olds. What's that? I said I hear they're nice to eight-year-olds. Oh, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we didn't want to find out. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> No, that's, dude, that's, that's awesome, man. That's all great stuff. So you were in Patagonia. Mm -hmm. What was, Patagonia is like one of the most jaw-dropping, beautifully, just beautiful, beautiful, most stunning places on the planet. What was that like? So that was uh, quite an experience, man. Um, So I went out there with my cousin about almost three years ago now, and we had talked about it for months in advance. And, you know, we would fly into Calafate, go to El Charlton and go you know, see Fitzroy, Cerro Tour, all those beautiful alpine lakes there. And, um, you know, after the third day there, 
you know, we probably had done about 10 miles a day for a hiking because you have to, you, it's really hard to get to these lakes. There's, it's not where you can just drive up and park your car and walk out to the beautiful scenery. Yeah. Um, so this isn't a pull up and shoot type spot. You got to earn it. You definitely have to earn it, but it's still worth it. Mm-hmm. So after their day, you know, he tells me, hey, you know what? I, are you going hiking tomorrow? I'm like, yeah, you know, I came here to hike and see these beautiful um, mountains, man. He's like, yeah, I don't, I don't think I'm going to do it with you. I'm like, what? What do, you, what do you mean? We planned this months in advance. Where are you going to go? And he's like, I'm, I'm going back to Buenos Aires, man. I'm like, Buenos Aires? We, we were there for like two days already. And it's uh-huh. kind of just like. It's a city. A place. It's a city. You know, I was like, dude, if you go, to, what are you going to do in Buenos Aires? And he's like, oh, I'm going to go to the club and drink. I'm like, dude, we could have done that in L.A., the Jersey Shore, and you want to go to the Buenos Aires and drink? I'm like, what? So. Real quick, he, while we're on that subject, mm-hmm. isn't that really interesting how many Americans want to travel, and then once they get to a destination, all they are looking they for... They lay on the beach for 10, 10, 10 days. Exa- they want America, basically, in wherever they're at. They want it, They want American music, the nightclubs, the food, the beer, the drinks. And that's so interesting to me that some, that people pay that much money to, to go experience something that they yeah. could probably just drive a few hours and experience for a fraction of the cost. Dude, I totally agree. Like, I mean... Rest and relaxation like that, I could do that for a day or two, but after like a second time, like, I need to get out of here and move. I like to move, man. I like to um, see new things, but sitting on the beach, I could do that here in America, right? I could go to Virginia, North Carolina, California coast, and yeah, just, I just feel like I'm for almost, me, it would be a waste of money, right? A waste of, waste of resources and time when I, I could, go ahead. Dude, you know, I'm just, I'm almost curious if... The same people that go, you know, decide to go to Thailand so that they can sit on a beach and drink Mai Tais for 10 days and then go back home. If those are the same people that like can't wait to retire so they can just watch TV all day. And then it's like the person that likes to be active, like by nature, that's just how they, they're wired. They're probably the same person that even in retirement, they're always on the move. They're up first thing in the morning, working on projects, doing right. things, you know. And I just, productive. yeah, I just had that pop in my head. Look, Someone needs to run a, 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 a scientific uh, study. Research. Yes, a research yeah. study on that. Because just, I'm just curious if that's like the same person or if there's nothing. I wonder what the happiness level of those two groups of people would be too, right? Who yeah. Would be group of people. It'd be super <laughs> interesting. Okay, so your, your, your cousin has left you. He's, he yeah, he's, going out. he's like, I'm going back to Buenos Aires. I'm like, Dude, we were there for like two or three days. I'm like... I cannot go back there with you. And at this point, you know, I had already planned this, these hikes out. I had the GPS, you know, everything good to go, where to go. Weather was pretty good too. And, you know, I'm like, dude, I was fucking pissed. I was pissed. I was like, all right, dude, you're a grown ass man. Go. I got this. I'm going to do this solo. So the next seven days I'm, I'm here in Patagonia alone. I don't speak fluent Spanish. Um, You know, it's, and there's not just, Spanish people there's you know there's people from all over the world because it's just um world-class hiking right so there's people I've met from Poland there Switzerland and um get more into that in a little bit but yeah so at this point he goes back to Buenos Aires I'm freaking pissed I'm like dude whatever go ahead I'm, I'm not gonna let this ruin my experience I'm gonna enjoy it right <clears throat> so <clears throat> I do I do the Laguna de los Tres um hike two or three times to get the conditions I want. And that's in El Charlton. And then, you know, 
towards the end of the trip, I'm like, I want to, you know, I want to see Torres del Pan paintings, and uh, that's in Chile. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you had to cross the border to get there and all that. And I did that and I ended up doing about 50 miles to 50 to 60 miles of hiking by myself on the, the W trek. Jesus. And that was quite the experience, man. What a, what a learning experience. What a, just a, the things I learned about photography, hiking, and just people in general was, um, I just, um, can't even compare it to any other experiences as far as hiking and photography goes. It's been the the biggest learning tool for me. And I think um, being able to go out there and hike alone anywhere, if you, if you could do that for yourself or if any of the listeners, you know, they might be able to relate it's, you know, to do something like that. It really, you learn so much from it. And I think it's a great experience if you do at least once in your life to just go to another country, hike, you know, somewhere that's, um, you know, something like Patagonia or Switzerland or something like that. It's such a good experience. Dude, it's, it's, that must've been a seriously defining moment for you to go to Patagonia with a cousin, a friend, Mm -hmm. have them bail on you. And then to go and hike 50 miles over the next three days by yourself with limited resources, dude. I, so I can't. <laughs> it's. I'm actually so excited for you though that you were unprepared. I'm. I'm. I'm stoked that everything played out exactly the way it played out because this had to have been like the learning experience of a lifetime. Like, how did the rest of that hike play out? And outside of that, what were some takeaways on the education side that you learned from that trip? So the weather was pretty good except for the second and third day in it just was pouring. But the hike overall was really good. It's definitely a strenuous hike. Mm-hmm. Um, but the views are so rewarding. It was every every step of it was I can't wait to see the next site. Can't wait to see the next glacier, the next tower. And um <clears throat> but I will say like I was very unprepared. I had like a forty liter Osprey backpack and you definitely need at least sixty liters at a minimum to pack the food, camera gear the water. So I'm there with a 40 liter pack. I didn't have a tent. So can you imagine that three days not having a tent? Dude, just, it was That's just pretty... a painful, painful learning process, but it was, it was good. And so did you, you rent tents? So yeah, they have refugios there where every part of the W, but these people rent the uh, people from around the world rent out these refugios, cabins and tents a year in advance, at least. So mm-hmm. the chance of me getting one were like 50, 50, not, not even 50, 50. It just, the chances were slim. Right. So <clears throat> I did get fortunate enough to get two, two nights in tents that were just happened to be available. I don't know if the people didn't show up or whatever, but <clears throat> I really had to try to communicate the best I could with these owners of the refugios and the tents. And, you know, that was tough, you know, it's, <laughs> I can't even um, remember half the words I was because I was learning as I was going through this trek. So I had to say right. tent and this and that, and I, I'll never forget this this one. I learned how to say, uh, "Can you take my backpack?" Toma mi mochila, toma mi mochila, because at the end of the trek, <clears throat> there was about like 15 miles to go, and there's this guy on a horse because I guess he does tours through the W trek, and um, he's got an extra horse behind him. I'm like, toma mi, I'm gonna try to see if um. 
you could take, you know, because that's a joke with them. Just, you know, just to be friendly, happy, you know, talk to somebody because I'm out there on my own. I'm like, hey, tell me my mochila. <laughs> and he starts laughing at me and he starts talking Spanish. I'm like, I don't know what he's saying. But and he started like waving towards me. And it's like, hey, put your kind of like throw your pack on the horse. So this video is on my Facebook. It's, it's funny. Dude, that's like, I'm gonna, beautiful. We, when we share this podcast, I'll put it on my uh, on my story highlights. You guys can laugh at me saying, tell me mochila to this uh, Chilean guy. And uh, he ends up taking me for like a good solid seven miles. And uh, that was really cool. It, that really like boosted my morale because towards the end of that, that three or four days, uh, thing, I think three and a half days now, I was just Beat. smoked. Didn't have enough food. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't take credit cards there. So we need the <laughs> right amount of pesos. It, right. it was pain and suffering. But looking back at it now, it was um, such an amazing experience. Dude, that's... <laughs> That's incredible. What do you what do you think that did for your character as a as a as a man? I I'll tell you it it definitely boosts your confidence on how to survive mm-hmm. out there kind of in the wilderness and it also um gave me confidence in other people, right? Like um too often we dismiss other humans for saying oh, they're not going to care about me or they don't only care about themselves or selfish. But it, it, you know, made me realize that you know, if you ask for help and you try to communicate, and people, uh, they're, they're there to help you out. So a lot of people did talk to me, and I talked to them, uh, tried to communicate as best we could, and mm-hmm. help each other out, or you know, give me directions to where I'm going. But uh, I've still to this day I've come to learn that uh, any trip like that, or camping, whether you're hiking, you're, you're constantly learning. It's always a learning process. Right. But definitely a confidence builder for sure to, to do just something like that on my own. And now it, it actually boosted my confidence where I could travel to any country and feel pretty damn confident that I could navigate to where I need to and get to where I want to and take the photographs I want to without getting a tour guide or you doing, doing anything like that. But I will say going to like Pakistan or something like that, or, you know, those mountains where the Taliban are at, or, you know, are at yeah. that I'm so cautious about and still, I'd still be, nervous about that <laughs> yeah that is i didn't even know that was like a thing how do you so people actually go out and explore the mountains where the taliban and so from what i understand is um mm. some some of those mountains over there there's you know pockets of um radicalism i mm. haven't really looked into it that much but i've i've, I've last year i remember reading a story about um some mountaineers being held hostage and stuff like that. And uh, mm. that's just something I don't want to get involved in, especially oh. having kids and stuff, you know? Yeah, man. I don't want you to get involved I, I, in that. I, I, yeah. <laughs> in that case, you know, I think you definitely want to get a survivalist tour guide kind of guy or whatever. Someone that's strapped. Yeah. Not a survivalist. You need someone that's got some, some firepower just in case you guys oh, yeah. find yourself in a situation. Uh, that's kind of how it was when we were in Guatemala, the guys we were with. Mm-hmm. Not, I mean, it wasn't crazy, but I mean, they're all strapped and they let us know, Hey, you know, if something happens. Like we got you guys more or less, <laughs> more or less. It's like a weird, it's like I, a, com- should I you, you confidence? It's like, yeah, should I be scared it, right now or should I, should I be worried? Well, it does. We, it's, good? it's one of those weird in between things, you know, where you're like, a, thank you. That makes us feel really good. At the same time, you're like, I really pray 
to the Lord that we don't find ourselves in a situation because I'd rather not just be in any situation and just go home after this, you know? And so, uh, that stuff, dude, traveling and everything, dude, I, I love it. Where have you, where all have you been? Uh, so I think when I finally said, Hey, I got to start traveling. Remember how I was kind of saying, Hey, I kept pushing it off. So like, I was like, when I pushed it, when I, after I graduate, after getting the Marine Corps, I think my first trip was to Iceland. And uh, me and my buddy from college, we just rented a tent uh, for 10 days. We rented a, and a four by four with a pullout bed and just drove around that whole country and just kind of really explored it. And so we got skunked out for like four or five days, you know, just pouring rain. And that's just how that, that country is, right? <laughs> Iceland is unpredictable, but it's so beautiful. And that kind of like, um, that also boost, that really also boosted my confidence to travel, right? Because I, I don't know Icelandic. Right. But people were really, you know, generally helpful. And yeah, so I've been to Iceland. Um, after that, the next trip was to Patagonia, I believe. After that one, uh, Norway to Lofoten. See a lot of people there right now. Jealous. Yeah, yeah fire. I'm going back there next year, but more more towards Senja and Segla. Okay. Yeah. and That's then, on uh, my list. That's on my list. And not even... Not even to necessarily go shoot it, but just to because I feel like that's not as exciting just because it's been done. Bring it's some just, bank, bro. What's up? Bring some, bring some bunny with you because Norwegian crones to American dollars. Oh man, it's it's just definitely more. It's more expensive than Iceland. Right. More expensive country I've been to. Oh, even more. Like I I, Iceland is crazy expensive. So if it's more expensive, I went to this gas station after shooting all night mm-hmm. and. For a burger and a soda, it came to about thirty bucks. Oh my! And it was a gas station burger, dude. It was nothing special. So, like for like a proper meal, like you better no have, <laughs> like you better come with your hey, you better have your bread right when you come through Norway. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But it, it, I can't wait to go back. It's so beautiful there. People are really nice. Um, I guess you know come. Compared to, uh, I haven't been to, I've been to Alaska in the summer, so I can't really speak to it during the winter, but it seems like Alaska gets like to like negative 20, negative 30, mm. whereas Norway, Lofoten, it's like um, 10 degrees, 20 degrees, and that's because that, um, what, what do they call it, the, the water that goes through there is a lot warmer. Oh, like the geothermal? The Gulf Stream. Oh, okay, gotcha. Not the Gulf Stream, there, there's... There's a Either way, that through. that's why they get all the fish there for, uh, during the winter. I just can't put my finger on it, but it makes it much more tolerable, the weather. Gotcha. Um, so you've been to some pretty rad places, man. Italy, and, the Dolomites are incredible. Dude, that's another one on my list. Uh, my favorite. So really? And I'll tell you why. is because the people, mm-hmm. the food, and the scenery. All three that the, they're the most hospitable people. They they know their country is beautiful and they want you to see it. Mm-hmm. The food was incredible, and the scenery is just incredible. It is wow, breathtaking. My favorite trip so far. Have you ever been to any country? I love that you said the Italians were very welcoming in the Dolomites. Have you ever been to a country where you didn't feel as welcome? Yeah, um, I I'd say uh, Argentina was you know pretty rough. And even though we're going back to Patagonia again, it's beautiful there. It's mm-hmm. rough because right, um, Argentina, I guess you could say, isn't um, 
it's more it's more it's like parts where I were was is more third world country. So it's there's there's I guess they're having a lot harder time financially there with the economy and all that. And you know you feel that pressure as a tourist. And you know I remember one time um, getting a taxi. You know they, the taxi driver told us you know the ta- to get from one place to another was seventy American dollars. But he was saying it in Spanish so that we, you know, we kind of like, oh, okay, yeah, like that makes sense because the, I think it's pesos there, the, the conversion, we weren't so familiar with it. And, you know, and this happened a lot. They were trying to take advantage of our American dollars there. And um, that made me feel really uncomfortable and unwelcome. And I was like, okay, just not, now I have to be more aware. And in, in mm-hmm. Italy, I never really got that, you know. Right. So that kind of, you know, as a tourist or however you want to, you know, a traveler, you feel that pressure from the economy and so i'd say in that regard but that's that's out of their control right i mean the economy that's government and all that and um yeah absolutely i think it's it's when you find yourself in those types of experiences it's always very interesting and there's always a pc that's you know empathetic towards the locals predicament and where they're at you also understand, like, hey, we're Americans. You know what they watch. You know how we're perceived, and yeah, exactly. So it makes sense. You can't be upset with them. It's not a, per- also, like it's not a said, personal you attack on you. Yeah, you uh, have to be empathetic to the situation as well. So exactly. that plays a large part of it. You know, you can't just go there and think, um, oh, you know, I'm American and you deserve to be treated a certain way. You just you have to understand the situation and really try to understand what they're going through and put your you know, put your feet in the other shoes. Do you have a line? Like, when do you think, like, when is the line crossed, I guess? Like, when you're traveling, oftentimes, like, depending on where you're at, right, you start going to South America and some of these more third-world countries, and it's a lot. It's a very different trip. You know, you go to right. Guatemala, you know, it's a very different trip than Norway. Yeah, definitely, I bet. And I so... in Guatemala, yes, <laughs> I can imagine. It's beautiful. It's, it's awesome, but it's a third-world country you know, for the most Mm -hmm. part. And so where do you draw the line as far as, I guess, being nice and open and and maybe tipping a little bit and and knowing that you're helping out and then drawing the line of like, okay, you're, you're literally just taking advantage of me now. You're, you're playing me for a fool and I don't really like, that's not okay. That's a tough one. I really haven't had that experience. Um, Mm -hmm. The closest experience I've had to that is in Iraq, you know, or Afghanistan when the little kids would come to the gate, you know, asking for candy or water, you know, things of that nature. And we, you know, you, you go there, but at the same time, you know, during that time, they were strapping these kids with bombs. So you never know, you never knew what to expect. So that's my experience with that. The third world country that I haven't really had, I haven't been to like Guatemala or anything like that, but um, yeah, I think you just have to be wary when you're in those third world countries, just to right. um, attention to detail and just, you know, be aware. Yeah, no, absolutely. So it sounded like language may have kept you, you had said a few things about like not speaking the language here and there earlier. It sounded like language may have possibly hindered you from traveling in the past. How did you get over that fear of not traveling because you weren't speaking the native language? So after talking, you know, to a lot of people, over the past few years about this, I think a lot of people have this, right? They're like, oh, I can't go over there because I don't know the language. Because people ask me all the time, like, how do you travel to these other countries? You know, do you have a tour guide? You, you know, do you, what are you doing that you're able to communicate to these people? And 
I think a lot of people have that fear of like, I'm going to go to this country and not know where to go, what to do. And um, what got me over that was just initially going to Iceland and Patagonia and um, doing that 50 miles by myself out there really, you know, built my confidence knowing that, you know, if you attempt to communicate, you know, a few basic words, like Toma mi mochila, <laughs> you know, it's going to help you out. It, you know, people will then try to, um, communicate to, towards you. Like if you're trying to speak, if you go to Norway and try to speak a little Norwegian or Iceland or Italy and try to speak a little bit of language, people love that when they, you go to their country and try to speak their language, they appreciate that. And I've, I've tried when I go to different countries to pick up a few words before I go there, just the <laughs> basic stuff. And that helps start a conversation. And one thing leads to another and end up finding some cool places to go to eat things to see. And, uh, I think, you don't need a, a tourist or a travel guide for everywhere you go, but in some places you do, and there's a place for that. But I think you just have to go out there and experience it and just prepare with a few basic sentences or words. Love that. Pro tip, guys, if you didn't catch that, spend a little bit of time. He's not saying to go out and spend months learning the entire language, but jump on one of those apps. There's like apps like Duolingo and these different things that you can hop on and at least just understand how to say hello, goodbye, thank you, I have a question, food, water, any like keywords that would really come in handy given a bad situation were to occur. Uh, probably nice to know a little bit about the language, where you're at, even if it's just a handful of words. How else did you communicate with them? Any other tips? Like were you... Were you like using body language? Were you drawing things? Like, how, like you know, I know that I, I'm a big body language guy. I, I speak, yeah. I'll have a, enough words to at least get the subject or the, the proper verb or noun out or something. And then mm-hmm. I'll try to like get very animated to describe like so, what I'm... <laughs> so when all the sales, because I use my hands a lot too when I communicate, all the mm-hmm. sales just whip out Google Translate. Just get, get like the one subject that because you know you're not gonna sit there and write a whole paragraph because you're gonna lose their interest and they'll be like okay they're gonna wave your hand at you you know and just walk away so just you know before you even start the conversation google translate say you're looking for um a mountain look for a mountain and the name of the mountain just type mountain in italian and see how to say that in italian and say you know trashime trashime mountain you know and they'll you know that's that's it right there you know google translate put in the main keywords that you need on the spot so you don't lose their interest before you even start the conversation. I, I think that how it goes a long way. It totally I does. I can tell you it doesn't always work <laughs> because oh, yeah. if you don't have service, it doesn't work. Oh yeah. yeah. And when you're but looking at, was, a, when you're looking at a dinner menu mm-hmm. and you have the Google translate photo thing up and you're trying, you're trying, it's, it's trying to tell you what the food is, dude, I've had some funky stuff come out of that. Yeah. I've experienced that. <laughs> You can't download the languages before you go to the to the country you visit. So keep that in mind. You can't. Well. You can't what? For Google Translate, say you're going to Italy, you could download the whole language in your phone. Oh, so yeah. it's offline. They have an offline app. Yeah, it comes in handy. Super pro tip: offline Google language. You, you don't need Rosetta Stone, man. You don't need Rosetta Stone for six months before you go to a country. Gosh, I wish I would have had that on a few trips. I I didn't know that you could download google translate anywho that's a really awesome piece of advice i hope you guys definitely notated that so talk to me a little bit about 
what you've you've been traveling, you've been in the military. Tell me what you you know. I guess tell me some main points that you've learned from traveling. I feel like traveling, at least in my experience, is like a phenomenal teacher. And so I'm curious what you've learned from traveling. I have to agree so much. Um, you really learn to appreciate what you have here in this country, in America, California, where I'm at. Traveling between the military and you know traveling on my own has really given me appreciation for what I have here at home. It makes you appreciate the things you have at home, the family, your friends, the little things. Like I remember being in Afghanistan, I missed the green grass under my feet because it was mm-hmm. a desert for days out there, months at a time, dust in my nose, sandstorms. And when I was able to put my bare feet on grass, I was so happy. I know it sounds so basic, but it really traveling really makes you appreciate home. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it gives you really good real world experience because you get to see what else is out there. You know, you learn so much about yourself as well, you, you know, and it boosts your confidence. I mean, there's, I can't even think of any negatives of traveling. There's just so much good to it. As long as um, you travel with some good friends, I've, it's really taught me a lot about myself, boosted my confidence. Yeah. Oh yeah. Traveling, man. It's, it's, there's not enough attention I feel like put on a traveling. I mean, I guess there is now from Instagram, but I don't know if there is like at a younger level. Like when I was going through middle school, elementary school, high school, none of my teachers ever pushed me to traveling. Like traveling was like the last thing on my mind. And I didn't grow up with a family that was traveling. I I, I don't even think we had ever been on a road trip. (laughs) So uh, yeah, that I mean, like I told you before, it's like, my first camping trip was through the military. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not the best way to experience it. So you. so you have kids. How do you, yeah. how does that work with, how do you travel with children? Um, you know, just leave them at the home by them, at home by themselves and, you know, just go, you know, they, they, they figure it out, you know. And for themselves, baby, it's the <laughs> Marine way, right? <laughs> I'm just kidding, man. So logistics is hard with kids. We just, um, we just booked this trip to Patagonia for this coming up fall see the colors there this year mm-hmm. and uh we just bought tickets to get them to new jersey from here from california and it's not cheap traveling with kids because you have to make sure that um you know you'd be well taken care of you worry about them the whole time it's just it's it's not easy um we just bought them tickets to new jersey so they're gonna be staying with um my mom and dad grandparents and it's, it works out because we're here in california that my parents don't see them as much as they used to when we lived there so right. they're all about it they're so happy to have you know, Gwen and Aiden, and so it, it works out in that way. But so, so, so that's international. So that's international. Exactly. Let's stick to international real quick because I have a quick question around that too. Go ahead. How do you? So when I travel, whether it's in country or international, I don't have kids, but I have a I have a German Shepherd and a Manx cat. And don't get me wrong, like a there might be a day or like the first day or two, I'm like I'm good. Like, I'm doing my thing. And then, like, day three, I'm like, how's my German Shepherd? How's my Manx? Yeah. And even if someone's watching, then I'm, like, kind of sketched out because I'm like, he's a big dog. Mm-hmm. Are they having him on a leash? Are they acting, you know, yeah. are, they, are they messing around and letting him off the leash because he's smart? I think about the same thing with my kids. But, like, do they have him on a leash or not? You know? like, exactly. But he's <laughs> capable. Like, yeah, I know he's smart and he'll do fine off the leash, but he's also a very capable dog of doing some serious damage in the right situation yeah. if it occurs. And so, like, I have these thoughts and things that race. I couldn't even imagine 
would it be like having kids being like, yeah, of course you're stoked. Your parents are with them. You know, they're in good hands, but mm-hmm. are they driving grandpa and grandma crazy? Are they doing like, you know, you worry about things like, are they? Oh, definitely dude. Yeah. That definitely pops in my head nine times out of 10 when I'm traveling. Aiden is nine now and he has a phone because, which I didn't want to do so soon, but it's, it's he visits his mom. He's a, uh, I have him full time here in California. He visits his mom every now and then. And, in New Jersey, and he, you know, he has to have a phone. So, him having the phone now, this past six months now he's had it, has been an interesting experience. So that's a way for me to, now that we're going to Patagonia, to be closer contact with him and communicate with him better. It, it's, uh, it's been interesting. You know, I didn't have a phone until I was like 15, 16, and he's nine has a phone. Times have changed, man. <laughs> Things have changed so much, you know, and um. I do worry about my kids a lot when I'm traveling and thankfully, you know, most of my trips are less than 10 days. So Good. within a week I'm back. Nice. And then, so how do you do with like road trips? So road trips, those are fun. Uh, we did our first road t- trip as a family about three years ago, kind of really got us into it. Um, I'll get into the backpacking and more in a little bit, but uh, we, we flew out to Nevada. We rented an RV, it's me, Tiff and the two kids. And, um, just road trip them, did easy hikes that were about a mile to two miles at max. Mm-hmm. And, you know, our daughter's three and our son's nine. So they handle it pretty well. And um, they come with us on to Yosemite trips, um, Death Valley trips. They just went to Death Valley, you know, uh, to Artist Palette. They freaking love that. And, you know, since we live here in L.A. now, it's really tight, right? They don't get to go run around the block. There's traffic mm-hmm. running down the street there. So when they get to these national parks and um, state parks that we take them to, they're just having a blast. They're, they're all about it. But when it comes to hiking, that's the funny part. Uh, my son especially, I'm trying to think of a recent hike we did. I'll, I'll talk about this one in Adirondack before we moved out here to L.A. It was uh, about a 10-mile hike, and it was to Indian Indian Peak, I think. You, you might be familiar with the shot where you have this, the Catskills. Yep. Uh, the, Adirondacks, the Adirondacks on the sides, and they have that lake that runs down the middle, get a good reflection. I think it's called Indian Head. Awesome hike, 10 miles, and um, about five miles in, four and a half. My son just starts complaining. He's complaining, complaining. Oh, what, are we done yet? Are we there yet? <laughs> we go home now. Like, Dude. So, you know, once we get to the top, Peter, we hang out, watch sunset, and then we hike back with our headlamps and He's complaining on the way back, you know, but at the end of this, you know, he's like, you know, the next day, cause we stayed at Airbnb up there. Um, he's like, when are we going again? Let's do it again. Let's go back. <laughs> I'm like, dude, I'm not going back with you after that. We're doing four miles next time. That's the last time I do 10 miles. But you know, as he's getting older, he's able to do more and more. And right. um, it's been a real fun experience teaching them and, you know, showing them how to hike and, He's getting into, you know, photography now too, like in a basic level, right? So mm-hmm. I'm like, this is how you compose a shot. So bring the, bring your, you know, he has an iPhone 6. That's what he uses now. And uh, he, I'm like, bring it low to the ground so you get a little bit foreground here. And <laughs> it's been fun to do that with him. Dude, you know? that is, dude, that brings so much joy to my heart. I think, I don't know if I've said it on a prior podcast. I feel like I have, but like AOV families is like a hashtag I want to start. And I want to just like, because there's just so many, that. there's so many rad families within our community, and there's so many 
like more first and foremost, I want to bring those people together, right? Like mm-hmm. be nice in a group for people just to be able to communicate, like, hey, like how the hell do you guys get your kids to relax well, dude, you know, to relax we, on a twelve hour car ride because my so kids freak out the whole time and I need help, you know. Before we had this um podcast, you know, I was like, dude, you know, I feel like I'm not gonna be able to relate with a lot of people of the AOV community because I feel like, you know, I'm a, I'm a family guy. I haven't really right. seen too much of that in AOV, but, you know, talking to you, you're like, yeah, dude, there's a ton of people here with family. Just so, yeah, man, it totally makes sense. It's a good, I think it's a great idea. I told you that. I think I told you the idea for that on that call, too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think it'd be awesome just because that's just a challenge. Like, that's a challenge that I haven't faced yet, but you better believe there's gonna come a day where I'm like, Hey fam, I had a kid. I have no idea how that's gonna change my life, and I don't know like how do you how do I keep doing what I'm doing, you know? Yeah. And so, I think it's cool to have a resource for that, and I think it's just cool to show to show love to to those people in general, even outside of just having a place for everyone to con- yeah, just, congregate. You, you know? Yeah, you don't just have to be single and live in a van to travel, man. For real, you know? for real. So many ways to do it. No, absolutely. And, and that's more or less, I love, I want to showcase that. I want to showcase that, hey, age doesn't matter. Children, none of this stuff matters. You don't have to, you don't have to be a 20 year old single male or female to be able to travel around and, and have a class and enjoy, you know, enjoy all these experiences and all these different things. Uh, you can do that as an adult. You can do that with a family, with a wife, with children, with multiple kids, et cetera. It's just a choice. And, are you willing to be patient to, to, to go through that learning process to, mm-hmm. to be able to continue on with your life the way it was before you had kids, you know? It's so funny, man. I'll go meet up with, like, um, you know, you, you've done a podcast with Gabe. I'll, we'll go up to – we'll be out in San Francisco. And, like, you know, I won't even tell my kids to come in or whatever. And they'll just pop out of my deep and he's like, oh, what's going on, you know? Yeah. It's funny, man. There's people – a lot of people that meet me through the app, through Instagram, like, I'll just show up and sometimes, you know, bring my kids, you know, sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. And it's like, um, it's always funny to see the expressions because like, Oh wow. You know, what's, what's going on? But it's the, the kids have such a good time and nine times, 10 out of 10 out of 10 times. I haven't, I haven't had one bad experience with another photographer where I brought my kids. They, they expect they're excited. Like, wow, you travel with your kids all the time. How do you do it? You know, I'm like, dude, it's a little bit more, it takes a little bit more work, but it's rewarding. And not only for me, for them. Cause you know, I, I don't. I didn't have these experiences when I was a kid. So when I see my son being able to to see Yosemite, Half Dome, and Death Valley, things like that, I'm like, wow. I hope he has good memories with me from this. You know, like I hope he yep. learns a lot and that he can look back and be like, yo, wow, my dad really worked hard and put in an effort to to let me see these places. Because you know, I work a full time job. I'm going to school full time still right now, mm-hmm. and, and to still be able to do this stuff with them, it just it makes my heart happy. Dude, I love, dude, it makes my heart happy hearing that your heart's happy and that you're just a good father, a, a good man, a good husband, and all those good things. And I also, dude, I pray to God, I hope that you are documenting these trips with your family. And if you haven't started printing this stuff, please start printing these photos of you and your kids in the national parks, enjoying life, whether it's books, photo albums, whatever, dude. If you're not that doing is, it, do I need it. to get on it. I need to get, yeah, get, get better with that. Get on you know, it, bro. Tiff has her iPhone all the time taking pictures. I'm like, you know what? Not after this conversation, I think I need to get her like a little ATSC sensor and just so she can snap behind the scenes because she's all about that, but on her iPhone, right? So she's they're not as good as they could be. 
Right. These aren't, you know, these aren't about the bangers, right? This is just family. This exactly. is this is the stuff. Like, this is the photos that are really gonna matter. Your banger, bro, isn't gonna be shit man. twenty years from now. But that photo of I your son looking at El Capitan for the first yeah. time that he laid eyes on it, that's a photo you're gonna like that's something you're gonna go back mm-hmm. to. You're gonna be 90, 80, 70 and look at that photo and it's gonna it's gonna bring so much love to your soul. Absolutely, man. You got a great point. You know, and 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 that's my main push with printing for people is that, to be honest, like printing your beautiful photos and stuff is super cool, right? Mm-hmm. But for me, I think what's most important is actually like it's like all the other photos that don't get shared. Like those are the ones you print, the ones of your girlfriend, the ones of your wife, the ones of your your buddies, the the cheers, you know, that night, yeah. the toast or the campfire, and the memories that you don't don't want to fade away into the distance. Like those are the, those are the experiences that you want to be able to relive, you know, stuff can be so good. You're absolutely right. I have to agree more. And it's just, and I think it's just cool for your kids and stuff. Like the way I look at it too, like when you leave your family, bro, the reality is there's a day when you're going to exit and you will be gone. And when that Mm -hmm. day comes, what are you leaving your family behind? What a bunch of shit that they have to get rid of. Right. You know, or you're going to leave them. Oh my gosh. This is Grandpappy Neil's photo collection. And they can, even though they never met their grandfather or they only met him once or whatever it may be, dude, they're going to know you and they can relive your life through like these books that you've been stacking over the last 20 years of your life. And like that's the stuff that lives on, man. And that's the stuff that lives on, bro. It lives on forever from, from generation to generation. My, my grandparents show me photos of my great grandparents and it blows my mind when I see that Dang. stuff. And it gets me so excited because I just want to learn about my history. I'm like, where are we from? Where do we come from? Like, was grandpa a slave? Was great grandpa a slave? Like, yeah. you know, if he wasn't, where were we? Like, I'm trying to figure out where the hell I'm from, bro. Because I don't they, know. They, they documented that so that you can look back at it. Yeah, such a good point there. Exactly. But without that, had my grandparents not documented anything, dude, I'd have nothing. I wouldn't know it. So tell me about your family. I don't really know anything except my immediate yeah. family. We're, you know, we're from right. San Diego, grew up in Phoenix, Arizona, and live in Boise, Idaho now. I don't really know what else to tell you. Dang. Yeah. Good point, man. So... Yeah, man, that's always that's always good stuff. Photo gear wise, I'm just curious, what are you shooting on? What do you keep in your gear bag? What's your go-to? All right, man. So my go-to right now is I have a full frame A7R2. I had the A6000, but I, I sold it, got rid of it to upgrade to the R2. Flex. And, um, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so the lenses that I have is the, the G Master 2.8 70 to 200. Uh, really. That's probably my favorite lens right now, just because I'm getting, you know, more cropped in kind of compression mm-hmm. and all that. And the, the G Master 2.8, even though it's heavier and it sucks for hiking with compared to the F4, that's a little bit lighter. This lens is just so crisp. It's, it is. To be off, that's a pound. It's so worth it. So, and then I have the, the Tamron 28 to 75. It's lighter than the G Master 24 to 70. So don't get me wrong, that 24 to 70 is dope because I've used it. The, the Tamron is just lighter. The colors are really good for me, too. I like the colors that the Tamron uh, puts out on my 7R2. And I have the 16 to 35 GM, another great lens. That's probably, I'd say that's a close second, but it's between the wide angle and the, and the, the zoom lens. And uh, I use the Breakthrough, uh, they call it Colorado tripod, the Breakthrough Photography tripod. 
super lightweight. But before this, I had a Mifoto and not the Mifoto. I had um Manfrotto. And you know what the problem with Manfrotto is, man, it's um the the piece is just it's only only for one tripod, right? You can only use oh their, the actual tripod, the base plate. The plate, yeah. You can only use their plate on their tripod. Yeah. So I ran into a situation where I was on a photo trip in Alaska and nobody had a Manfrotto plate because I lost mine. And so I couldn't shoot any long exposures. Mm-hmm. And after that, I was like, I was like, I'm done with Manfrotto because, you know, had this been another tripod, you know, I'd be good to go. But because they specialize it. Anyway, I digress, man. That, that really pissed me off. I was like, I'm done with Manfrotto. But this breakthrough one's been amazing i highly recommend it i use their filters breakthrough makes filters yeah so i use okay. the graduated two two stop soft i use that a lot mm-hmm. i have magnetic filters i just pop in now too and go ahead oh i was just i i gotta try some of those magnetic filters i've never Dude, filters so bug convenient. filters bug me to be honest, I, I, I mean, they trust me, I, I value them a ton and we all understand why, but mm-hmm. dude, there's nothing worse than spending 200, 300 bucks on a filter that fits one lens. And, and then, then and, on top of it, the, the light's fading and you're trying to friggin' adjust it and screw it on and take it off. I get it, man. Yeah, it's, it's frustrating. Yeah. Like I'll be, I'll have my filter on and I'm like, I want to switch to video or I, the lights changed and. Now I might miss this opportunity because this thing's happening and I'm over here trying to like get a filter off my you camera ever, as fast. You ever have it when it's stuck on? Yep. Dude, that's the worst. That's where the magnetic filters help big time. Just pop that bitch right off. Dude, I love that. I'm going to have to try some of those out. I'm curious. Have you ever tried any of the Sigma art, like the Sigma lenses? They have all the Sigma I've, arts now on with E-mount. You know, they're, they're native for Sony now. I've seen some really good Astro from Sigma lenses, so I'd definitely be interested in trying some primes from them. Yeah, me too. I uh, I just ordered the thirty five. <laughs> that was just as I was asking you for myself. Is it one point four? Yeah, I was hoping you were like, oh, yeah, man, brother, fire. Amazing. So yeah. I got the the thirty five one four, the fifty one four, the eighty five one four, and the one thirty five one eight. So I got their nice. whole prime lineup. And I figured I'd give it a give it a go because I just we do a lot of production work, you know, and we work with a lot of different brands shooting various things. Mm-hmm. And I love the G Master glass. I really do. I you know, I, I, I shot on the 8514. It's a phenomenal lens. But dude, it's so price, it's so expensive. I went to Best Buy to dude, the so snacks. I went to Best Dude, I went to Best Buy to snag the 8514 and the mm-hmm. 3514 and they're they they actually didn't have any of the the nice glass and they just had like all the kit lenses at best buy and i was so stoked because it saved me because i would have dropped the same price on two lenses and instead i got four lenses that should be amazing from what i've read the reviews from friends i'm like dude this Mm -hmm. this is a phenomenal investment man that tamron 20 28 was Maybe eight, seven hundred bucks when I bought it. I think they went up in price because they realized that how much dude, money they're losing. Tamron makes good bucks. glass, dude. The, the 20 to 70, uh, 28 to seventy five was seven hundred bucks at the time when I bought it, and the G Master is, I think twenty six hundred bucks. Like, nice, dude. <laughs> that's the that's the Tamron fifteen to thirty two point eight. Nice. Well, we can't since we're talking about glass. Can't I can't dismiss the the baddest 
um, 18 millimeter. The 1828 Battis is, dude, I took yeah. that to New Zealand. The, the Sunstar, the Sunburst isn't that great, but it's, it's a great lens. The colors, you can't beat those colors. They're really good. It's fire. It's fire. Yeah. It's a good I, one. I think it all comes down, like, glass is one of those things where it's, it's, it really comes down to what you're using it for, how versatile you want to be. And to be honest, for me at least, it's like, do do I really want to invest this much money into this thing? Or would I rather allocate some of these funds to other things, you know? I agree because, you know, I was, I was talking to a friend about this is, you know, with these G-Master lenses that I have, I kind of like put myself in the corner now where if I want to go to Nikon or Canon, I have to sell these lenses and I can't, you know, it's just, if I would have went with Tamron and some of the cheaper options that are almost just as good, I wouldn't be boxed in like the way I feel now with, you know, $5,000, $6,000 in glass, you know? Yep. So that's, that's part of the, the problem there. Yep. I mean, the the good thing, at least from what I've read, you know, with with the nice G, like I have it, you have the 28 to 135 millimeter G Master. I think it's one of the most expensive Sony lenses. I, it's like a $4,500 lens. And this lens, the nice thing about these lenses, though, mm-hmm. are the fact that that's nice. They they hold their resale value, from what that's I hear, good. at least. Like everyone yeah. says, like, hey, Sony's G Master glass, like, yeah, it's expensive and all this other stuff, but they hold their resale value. So I guess you have that going for you if that <laughs> is still relevant. Yeah, if, when that makes you feel a little bit better. Yeah, it's like it's like you got to tell Toyota, bro, you're good, you're good. <laughs> awesome, man. I, I appreciate you chatting chatting up a little bit about the gear and stuff. I'm curious about your workflow. What is your post-processing workflow look like so i use a uh, windows paint for most of my stuff <laughs> <laughs> no man so I, I like to start off in lightroom i start in right lightroom do the you know um camera calibration and you know actually just i'll start with camera calibration that's where i like to start mm-hmm. i'll start with the, and then i'll go back up top and work my way down and then i'll do a little bit of curves and Lightroom, but I save most of that for Photoshop. Um, curves, dodging and burning. Why do you save most of your curves for Photoshop? I feel like I have more control in Photoshop because mm-hmm. uh, I could kind of select the sky mm-hmm. and do the curves for that. Then I could select the foreground and do the curves for that. And whereas in Lightroom, it just it's a more um, tedious to get into. Gotcha. And I don't sharpen in Lightroom either. I like to use uh, the Nick Collection for sharpening in Photoshop. Huh, that's interesting. Yeah. And you just feel like it's a cleaner sharpening than what you're able to to get in Lightroom, or? Well, the Nick Collection they give you like a there's four different options, and there's like a one more bar. I forget what it is off the top of my head, but whereas in Lightroom it's just one one way or another, right? It's just right. you know you go positive or you you just go one. There's one level, whereas in Nick Collection it has four options to adjust the contrast and other things to where. I get into more detail and adjust the sharpness to where I like it. So after I do that, I'll get into dodge and burning. Gotcha. And I think that's, I think dodge and burning is really um, what brought my photography to the next level for me. And um, shout out to Gabe because he kind of really got me into that. A31 Gabe. Hey, Gabe Rodriguez. Yeah, man. He, um, he inspired me to 
to get more into that and, you know, to really learn. And then I started getting into Jimmy McIntyre's kind of stuff and learned a lot from his videos. I really love his photography as well. Dude, that's rad. I appreciate you sharing those, those tips with us. I was curious, do you use like any specific settings for your export to keep just, you know, obviously Instagram compresses the images, but dude, some people, some people got that compression, bro. They got it figured out like short stash, zoom in yeah. on a, zoom in on a portrait, bro. Zoom in on a really? face, zoom yeah. in on a face and watch how sharp the faces Dang. compared to like, I've heard this, I've heard this, I've heard this from different people and different people I've shot with and they, they mm -hmm. have it down to science. I'm like, for landscapes, does it make that big a difference? I, I'm not sure. I mean, I, ha I haven't tried it. So, Dude, I'm going to figure it out, and I'm going to oust everyone's secret, and I'm going to share it with the fucking world, bro, because I'm, oh, I'm, sure I'm sick of these little Instagram secrets, bro. We're getting them out for everybody. All right. We all need crispy photos, not just short stash. I'm coming for you, bro. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> That's awesome, man. What about what about your work? Pro like, what about your, your workflow process in the field? Like, how do you approach photographing an image or a scene, so I should say? I definitely like to use Google before I even get out there. I like to use Google Earth. Uh -huh. I'll use PhotoPills and I use TPE, those apps to see where the light is, the moon phase and all that. And then once I approach the fields, um, I always look for a good foreground. I'm always looking for a color, colorful foreground, flowers, definitely always looking for flowers if they're available. Like it just, they just really pop real nice. And um, sometimes if you get a good sky and the flowers, they kind of contrast really well. So I'm always looking for good colors for foreground. Foreground always like number one, and then I'll adjust, you know, because I'm I'm out near mountains a lot or desert landscapes. I'm, I'll look for the flowers or the bush or whatever to line up real nice with my mountains. Mm -hmm. Or there's two, you know, so I'm looking at foreground, and then I'm looking at my my landscape in the background, the mountains, and a large part of it is luck too, right? The sky. <clears throat> oh yeah. So I, I've been I've been out with friends for this past trip. We did this past trip to um Utah. And it was, there was not one cloud in the sky the whole time. And the national parks were closed, you know, with the government shut down. Yep. And I went to Capitol Reef. That was the only park I got into. And I, I got maybe four shots on that trip, man. That's, that's just that I like. And just, that's just the way landscape photography goes, man. Eight, eight or nine times out of ten, you're not getting the shot that you want. Right. You, know, you have to go back to a place four or five, ten times to get that shot you want, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think a large part of it is luck, to be honest. No, I, I, I totally agree. Obviously, you can can help with your luck by paying a little more attention to the weather and, and the cloud mm -hmm. formations and things like that. But at the end of the day, the, the dude that has the best shots is normally the guy that's just getting out there a lot more than everyone right. else. That's mm -hmm. the big difference between the Yosemite banger and the average Yosemite pick is that guy went 12 times this year and you went once. <laughs> You know, yeah, man. I agree 100%. And then, you know, sometimes you're lucky. You go to one spot once and you're good. Like I have a beautiful shot from Sedona with the reflection and the cactus. And, I'm um, looking at it now. It's such a tight shot. <laughs> Thank you, man. I appreciate it. And it just, just, it had just rained the day before. It was just such good timing. And I just had to go there once for that shot. But I wouldn't mind going back to Sedona again. I love it there. So do I. My girlfriend and I. Area, right? Well, I went to school in that area. I went to school in Flagstaff at Northern Arizona University. My girlfriend and I last 
not this last year, but the year before we spent New Year's Eve camping in Sedona, full moon nice. underneath the stars, red wall, like just beautiful, beautiful, bro. I Dude, love it. It's incredible. Yeah, bro. Hips love you out there. Did your girlfriend love it out there too? Oh yeah. I could, that's a place Hips where I could retire, there, bro. I could kick it. I can oh, kick man. it in re- in Sedona in retirement and just paint and photograph absolutely. and chill, bro. Make music, kick it. Oh, absolutely, man. Place like that. How's it been with Tiffany, man? Just like it's it's really rad that you get to get out with your wife and and shoot and create. We're together. not married yet. We're not married okay, yet. My bad. My bad. Hey, slow down, bro. Slow <laughs> not yet. Down, bro. <laughs> um, working on it. Yeah. How how how's that? I got man? some plans coming up this year, but I'm you, not gonna. You got I'm the what? Gonna, Got some plans coming up this year. What? Yeah, but I, I can't say too much because, you know, if right. he hears this podcast, he's like, well, what's he talking about? Dude, that's exciting. Yeah. Dude, she's yeah, very exciting. That makes me happy, man. I, I always, Thanks, man. it's always cool. I have, I talk to a lot of people and some people's significant others, male or female, are either really for them and what they do and very supportive or in my experiences, you know, I have a lot of friends where it's like, hey, their significant other's not necessarily, they love them as a person, but they're not really for all this, the, the other stuff, the photographing yeah, all the time, the traveling, the hiking, and, and yeah. it's, it's, it's tough. You know, I've seen a lot of, of, of relationships go south because of, because of those all, things. So I just I think it's imagine. beautiful seeing that it looks like you and your lady are having a genuine time together. Well, well, while you're thank out. you. I'll, I'll speak to that a bit. So Tiff isn't really into photography as much as I am. And, mm-hmm. You know, it's more behind the scenes. Like I told you, family shots and stuff like that. She's a nurse. So she's, she's, she really loves her job. And, uh, for her, what these trips are is a chance for her to hike, get out and explore and be physical. She, she really likes to be, she's into fitness and lifting weights and moving and, and being physically active. So, for her, I think she sees it as an opportunity to to see more. And you know, before she met me, I don't think she's ever left the country. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think she's visited maybe two or three states before we met, and um, that's it. And so for her, it's been really a learning experience, and we've been able to see a lot of things together. And uh, she's very supportive of it. But you know, there are times where you know I'll go out on a four day, five day kind of trip, and you know, she's like, hey, you kind of take it easy, you know. I'll make the, the lights, if there's a storm coming through Death Valley, I want to catch that water in the, you know, bad water basin or, you know, something like that. And uh, so it's, um, it's a little push and pull. And um, I think it's easier when you have a significant other that wants to do this, these, these things with you, you know? No, no, absolutely, man. That's, that's the goal, right? That's always... That's always the goal is to, to hopefully be with someone that encourages you and to do what you enjoy doing and, and hopefully is there to enjoy it with you. Um, exactly. And vice versa for you to be there and to support them and, and do that. And so like you, I feel blessed. Like my girlfriend and I go out and shoot all the time. We create all the time. I'll be mm-hmm. in the studio upstairs making music. She'll be in her art room downstairs creating art and then we'll link later in the day and go shoot together or whatever. And so it's always, it's always really nice, you know, mm-hmm. what's, uh, what's this trip you got going on? I just clicked the link in your bio. It took me to wayfarecollective.org. Oh, so that's um an Eastern Sierra photo sh- uh, photo trip, man. And you know it's it's a shame. I think you just went to the Eastern Sierra. That you know, I don't think the Eastern Sierra gets a, as much love as it deserves, right? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, Alabama Hills, Bishop area, 
uh, the hot springs there, you know, all the focus is on Yosemite. And I've spent a lot of time in the Eastern Sierras and, and uh, I just want to share that experience with some friends and people out there. And Wayfair Collective for me has been a way to do that. I did a photo trip with them in Oregon last year. I had such a good time. It was, um, just got to see so much Oregon and we got to be with people that know where to go and knew the spots to take us to. And um, this Eastern Sierra trip is, is going to be very similar to that where um, there's going to be a little bit of hiking in this one because I, I, was, I was like, dude, I want to put a little hiking list, man, because um, hiking is part of the experience. Oh, yeah. See some of these places. So there's a hike there that I want to take some people on and it's in Yosemite. It's going to be a in and out thing, no camping or anything like that. We come back to a kind of a base, a house like an Airbnb that we rented out for about ten people, mm-hmm. and it's gonna be this gonna be cool, man. I, I, it's the time of year, the Milky Way is gonna be out. Um, I'm I'm so stoked for it, man. It's it's gonna be fun. Dude, I'm stoked. That sounds like a fun trip, and and I really appreciate you putting like hiking and stuff onto the trip, and and I think every trip needs some adversity. Like, dude, you want to free, you want to piss me off? Set up some easy trip, like. Give me nothing no. to earn. And I'm just like, dude, I never want to do that again. Like, I don't want to get chauffeured to this all around town and just sh- a hit, hit, a, hit a shutter oh, button no, from the car window and keep moving. Like, let me let me be a little upset that we're doing something and then let me feel phenomenal after I've accomplished it. And then, like, I'm glad we did that. Like, that's yeah, necessary. Seven, mi- seven, miles, seven miles, you know, for the average person who doesn't hike is not easy. No. You know, for, for guys like me and you who travel and do this kind of stuff, Seven miles, okay, no, no problem. I got this. But for the average person who's just getting into photography or just getting into hiking or anything like that, seven miles can be a challenge. So we, I wanted to leave it where it's challenging enough, and you know, it's also a beautiful scenery where we're not going to scare away people either, right? So it's, right. it's tough to find that happy medium. There's plenty of hikes in the Eastern Sierra where it's like, uh, um, Big Pine Lakes is the easiest one that I can think of off the top of my head. It's ten, it's ten miles. 3,000 feet elevation gain. It's, it's too much, but it's freaking beautiful, man. I wish I could bring more people there, but <laughs> that that will come maybe next year when I when I see where this goes and get a taste of what uh, what people are looking for. Yeah, definitely. And you can always take people there, bro. Just do it on your own. Exactly. Like, it's Dude, just as exactly. simple as being like, oh, hey. Like, you already know. <laughs> I'm going to do a trip. That. It's going to be in six months. There's five slots and more than welcome. I just want cool people. and We're going to go turn this thing up. Dude, I do that all the time, man. I'm like, hey, I'm going up here next month. You're welcome to join. If not, we're going to go have fun without you. Yeah. No. I love that. (laughs) Well, we're coming up on on our time here. I don't even know when we started because we were kind of BSing and hanging out for a bit. And then we were getting that computer situated. But... The way that we normally end these podcasts is with our guests leaving the AOV community with some type of motivation slash inspiration. And so with that said, I'm going to pass the mic your way and let you enlighten the AOV community whenever you're ready. All right, man, I'm ready. I think it goes back to earlier in our conversation with the traveling. Go out there, go out to another country, go experience it. Don't be afraid. And, um, Download that language before you go out there. Learn a few basic words and go. just go do it. Don't wait till you get your PhD. Don't wait till you get your master's degree. The, 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 the time is now. It's, nothing's going to change a two, three years from now where it's like, oh, traveling is going to be easier. Just go do it. You want to go travel? Do it now. And, you know, go out there with a few basic words 
uh, like Tomo Mi Mochila, that, that's a great way for, for Patagonia. That's, that's one you definitely want to know. <laughs> I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so there's a few basic words and just, just go experience that. And I, I think it would be good for, for anybody. Neil Benete. Appreciate you, brother, so much you, for being on the show. It's been appreciate my pleasure. It, and uh, you killed it, bro. That was good, man. Hey, guys, thanks for listening to another episode of the AOV Podcast. Our goal here at Art of Visuals is to keep everything free and to keep creating great tools and resources for you guys to utilize to, to achieve all your guys' dreams in the photography, filmmaking, and content creation world, even entrepreneurship. With that said, we've picked up Adorama as a sponsor to help us cover some of our costs, and we're grateful for them. All we ask of you guys is, if you're going to purchase gear, we'd really love it if you guys would head over to Adorama.com and make your purchase there instead of elsewhere, and just know that when you guys do that, you guys will also somewhat be supporting Art of Visuals and allowing us to continue to create great content for you guys, uh, like our podcasts our free app and a lot of the other great things we do also if you listen to the podcast all of the aov presets are now free so check out our website shop.artivisuals.com go get some free presets the artist presets are still for sale if you want to support the artist and you should support the artist uh, just know that that money goes to them and we're also going to be reworking that commission structure here in the next month so we're really stoked about that but go get some free presets and if you guys want to buy gear Please support us, help us out, go to Adorama.com. Peace.